Hello and welcome back to the Calm Sully podcast. This is episode four, I believe. I hope so. So I'm having a bit of a break this week from nutrition and fitness, though don't panic, there's plenty of that to come in future episodes. And instead today we're going to talk about communication. And I'm joined with a special guest, Brendan Kamarasamy, who is the founder of Master Talks. He is a public speaking coach a public speaker himself, and a communication specialist. And we do talk about his fitness in the episode two, but it's just a nice little break to talk about communication. And that's going to relay onto the current world as well, because that's both in person and online. So if you're someone listening to this who is self-employed, and maybe has to do a lot of presentations, whether that be on Zoom, which is the current world, or even in public, so it was great for me because I have to communicate both online and in public every single day. So it was great to jump on and have a chat with Brendan about this. And he joined me all the way over from Montreal, Canada. So it was great to have him on the show. It's a great listen. And I think you will enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast episode four with Brendan Kamarasamy. So we've got Brendan from Mastin Talks. Hello, how are you? Hey, very good, Callum. How about yourself? Good, not bad. What time is it where you are? Uh, it's uh, eleven forty-four a.m. So almost oh, lunchtime. Almost lunchtime. It's almost uh, dinner time here, uh, whatever we class the evening meal as here. Which I'm in the northern England, so it's tea. We call it tea up here. So it's it's almost uh, tea time. We're here to talk about today um, public speaking, and I know that briefly about yourself, you are a founder um, of your company called Master Talks. So, just yeah, give us a little bit of information about a bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, when I was in university, Callum, I used to do these things called case competitions. So, think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So, other guys my age were playing cricket or rugby or footy. I wasn't really into that kind of stuff. So what I did instead is I used that competitive spirit and I applied it to presentations. So for three years, I presented hundreds of times and coached dozens of people. So when I started the corporate world, I just asked myself a simple question. How do I make a difference in the world? And I just realized a lot of the YouTube content on public speaking communication is really bad. You know, you hear advice like, oh, get up on stage or here, speak like this. And it's just really bad advice. Yeah. So I started making YouTube videos in my basement. And then one thing led to another and Master Talk grew from there. So how many subscribers have you got on that now? Has that grown quite big? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's gained some traction. We hit 5,000 today, which is great. So oh, Wow. So, yeah, that was today. Yeah, today's today, master. Yeah, literally before I got into uh, today, uh, before I got into this call, we hit five, which is great. So what was it that inspired you to to do that to begin with? Yeah, of course. So when I was in uni and I was doing these case competition, business weird presentations, it's a lot like a cult. Like in the same way, let's say you're on a footy team, you know, you're in a footy club, you're, you're working, you're having fun with everyone. It's, it's like you go every week, you're always watching the same team, you're... It's the same thing, but in presentations. So it's a very small group of people, as you can yeah. probably tell, that versus like a sport or something. But we were extremely passionate about presentations. So rather than talking about sports, we would talk about, hey, did you see the University of Essex do this or the University of this present in this way? They suck or these people are great. And I was the speech coach for the entire program. Because in the wow. first year, I, I was practicing, you know, I was getting good. But then the second year of the program, I started becoming more of a mentor because I'd already competed a lot, right? So I wanted to yeah. pass the torch on to the next generation of students. So I just realized I had a gift for communication. So I started to coach people on how to speak. And I wasn't particularly good at it. Like, how do you communicate what you know in a way that somebody else doesn't? And I'm sure you had yeah. the same issues when you started coaching Absolutely. people on fitness. Of course, much like yourself, over time, I started to gain a knack for it. And I was like, oh, actually, there's a process here. Here's how you do it. 
and then I became, you know, it just, I ended up coaching some of the best speakers in the world, essentially, because these people would go on to these international business competitions and win a lot of these medals. So without me even realizing it, Caleb, I wasn't really doing it to like be a YouTuber. In fact, being a YouTuber is the last thing on my mind. I want to be a company executive, nothing more. So after I graduated from university, I just said, wait a second, I'm the youngest professional speech coach in the world. And I didn't even realize it. So yeah, I started, wow. that's what led to Master Doc. Essentially. I just, I got obsessed with public speaking. And then I realized later, you know, especially if you're listening to this right now and saying, well, I don't want to be on a stage. Well, we have to all realize that public speaking is not just about presentations. It's actually a very small part of that. It's your life. It's every interaction that you have. It's the way that you talk to your personal trainer. It's the way that you order your food at a restaurant. It's every interaction. When I first became a personal trainer, I, I didn't really know. You know, you go to PT school, should we say, and you learn how to train people to train effectively, safely. You know, you learn a little bit about nutrition, exercise. But one thing that you don't learn is how can I actually communicate with people and a lot of people in my industry will fail because they, they, they like fitness so they want to follow a career in it but they quickly realize actually I have no idea how to talk to people I tend to find that with myself um, it just kind of come naturally to me I mean I, I like talking that's why I'm hosting a podcast but I first stopped, started I know it's we're not talking to hundreds of thousands of people we're only talking 20 to 50 but i've delivered presentations and the very first one i was a bit like well i don't know if i can do this but for me there's like a switch i will be nervous right up until that point and then the minute that the presentation starts or the seminar a light bulb goes or like a switch goes in my head and suddenly i have the room in the palm of my hands and i am the authority in that position and and it gives there's some form of confidence i almost become someone i don't recognize um and then the minute that the presentation's over i'm like whoa you know what just happened coming from someone that has has had experience with speaking in public and, and delivering presentations seminars on something that you know i'm passionate about slides and stuff do you think that it can come naturally to you do you think there is people certain people can do it certain people can't or do you think that everyone can do it um and it just requires um, the right kind of coaching. I, I definitely think everyone can do it at different levels, Callum, in the same way that you believe that anyone who goes through your coaching can can achieve health results. I mean, it's obvious to the both of us, right? Because you're like, well, if you just eat this and you do this excess, it's not that hard, right? So, so same thing with me. But I'll give you uh, more later to that. You know, when I was five years old, I grew up in a city called Montreal in Canada. And it's, it's, a, it's one of the few cities in the world where most people in that city speak at least two languages, French being one of them. So when my parents looked at me and they said, hey, buddy, you don't know how to speak French. We need to send you to a French education system. I said, what? So for the first 15 years of my life, not only was I scared of presentations like most people, I had to present in a language I didn't even know. So now I was in grade one or grade two, I'd look at the crowd and go, bonjour. And that was my life. I hated communication and public speaking. So if somebody like me, by the way, I'm very grateful that I know French today, but the point that I'm driving is because of that experience, if I could do it, why can't you? Yeah. It's just the levels are going to be different, but you can definitely get better than where you are today in the same way that if you work on your, your fitness game, sure, you might not be drafted into the NBA tomorrow, but you'll have a great life. Absolutely. You'll feel better. I think a lot of people forget that Canada is bilingual, that, you know, that, there's French speaking as well and I think it's very so it must have been difficult not only to, to as you say deliver public speaking you know in your first language but then to have to learn a second one and do it again yeah I think I would be nervous nervous at that point um, what what sort of experiences you know has it always been plain sailing for you have you ever had situations where you've been speaking maybe publicly online or in person where it's not been the best experience and you thought, oh yeah, uh, that, that, that didn't go that well. Oh yeah, absolutely. A bunch of times still happens today, to be honest. But I'll give you one in particular. I was probably for year one into my speaking career and I was, I was given a speaking engagement to go, um, to go give a workshop to a, a group of teenage girls between the ages of nine and 16 
8 a.m. on a Saturday. Let's just say they don't want to hear the old guy talk about communication. I had a lot of trouble getting their attention, getting them to engage with me. But, you know, so it was a big L for me. But the, the idea was, how do I learn from this experience? How can I do better next time? So I brainstormed with a couple of friends. And then we figured out a solution. I went back the next year and I did well. And what was the difference? The difference was I brought a bouquet of roses. So you're probably wondering, why does that matter? Yeah. Exactly. So I just brought a huge bouquet of roses. I put on the table, started speaking. And then towards the middle of the presentation, when I got to mastering your audience, I said, who saw the roses? All the girls raised their hand. Then I go, keep your hand up if you wondered why the roses with their all the hands stay up. And then I went, exactly. Remember that if you treat your presentations like a bouquet of roses, you'll always be successful. Appeal to the needs of your audience because what little girl doesn't like a rose? And that's the point. You know, that I learned from that experience and I tried to find creative ways to get their attention. And, you know, you, you go from there, but it was definitely a crap the first time I presented it. <laughs> so, yeah. For me, for some people, you know, it's like that generic. Imagine that everyone else is in the room is naked and you're not, you know, just take that that sort of anxiety away um, yeah. I don't really know what mine is as I say I think for me as I mentioned you, there's just a switch that seems to go um, I tend to once I talk about something that I, I am passionate about I think at that point any any anxiety is gone and um, you know how, how long realistically can you expect someone to really develop that skill to to be a good public speaker um you know obviously if people are going through through your service and you're coaching them how long do you really tend to find that it takes people to to really master that craft it, it really depends how committed you are Callum. that's that's the way i think about it in the sense of if you have a very clear goal as to why you want to master communication your ramp up is much shorter so i'll give an example with me when I was in university, the only reason I got really good really quickly wasn't because I was special. It's because I needed to win competitions, right? In the same way, when you're very competitive, you're like, well, I need to fix my filler words. I need to fix my, uh, bleh. I need to be really good in January and it's August. So I got four months to make that work. So it was a very fast. That's true with CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit founders, leaders of movements. For them, communication is not only essential, it's do or die. You either master communication, you raise the money, you get the vision straight, you align your message, or you fail, right? But for somebody who's who has a day job, let's say nine to five, yeah, sure, communication is still essential, but it's, it won't be your number one priority in life because you can still get away without having it. So it really depends what your public speaking why is, as I like to call it. And the stronger that why is, the more powerful your communication skills become. So you're a good example of this as well. You need to ramp up your communication skills if you want to build seven-figure fitness practice, right? Because you need to attract people towards you. You need to get people to pick you as their trainer and versus everyone else. And what's the difference? The difference is communication, in my opinion. Everyone's going to have the same meal plans. Everyone's going to have the same fitness training, but it's the relationship that we have with you and your ability to communicate to us, to someone who knows nothing about fitness like me, to go, wow, this Calum guy's special. He's different. And that's the key. Yeah. It's funny that because after I posted uh, the first episode of this podcast, I had a couple of messages from people that not necessarily even my, um, I mean, they're my followers, but, the, you know, I've never worked with them before. They've, they've never even crossed into that boundary of potential client. But it was nice of them to take the time to message me and go, wow, you know, I, I just listened to your podcast, the whole thing. And yeah, you, you know, you really know your stuff. And I'm like, well, it's the same stuff that I've always spoke about. Or like you say, another trainer has spoke about on any YouTube video in the world. You know, there is all, all the information's there that anyone can get. So I think you're right. I think it's about who you can connect with, like who, who begins talking and you instantly go, yeah. You know, same for me. I have mentors that, you know, I look up to for information. And everyone yeah. out there at the moment in my industry, I see it all the time. Obviously, because of analytics, I get that many um, messages per day off. You know, fit, fitness pro co mentors, right? These people who promise to turn my business into seven figures, 
and then you have a quick research into their own business and they haven't even turned their own into seven figures. And I get that all the time, um, but there are a few. So there's loads of these. There's loads of mentors, coach people who coach coaches, and they all say very similar things. Again, it's not rocket science. No one's reinventing the wheel. It's the same as you said before. Everyone's got the same sort of meal plans and same ideologies, um, but there are a few that I follow. And there are even a few that I have purchased a program and have gone, yeah, uh, you know, I because I'm, I'm not necessarily invested in what they've got to say because I don't even know what the course is yet, you know, and it's probably no different to the couple of courses I've done. But there's something about that person and it's probably is that communication where I'm like, I don't care what you're selling me, I'm sold. And this most recent one was a guy, um, he's a fitness professional, he's called Jamie Alderton very successful and I followed him for quite some time but he did like a free challenge now in this free challenge he did all of his communication through Facebook lives within the group right and uh, there was like thousands a couple thousand people in there and it got to the end um, and he did a, a video to obviously upsell into his program this is the first time in, in my career where I didn't even stay till the end of the video I'm like yeah sold take my money and that, I think that had a lot to do with the delivery. It wasn't necessarily the content of what he was teaching me, although he does that is, you know, he does do that very well. It was just his, his, yeah, his, his communication with me, his confidence that he, he, he had his creativity in his, in his uh, delivery as well. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't even know if I can afford this, but I can't afford not to, you know, get what I mean? I love that. Yeah. So I think you're right about that. I think you know it's all about the communication from my own experience as a as as a you know a business person but also as a consumer as well. I've seen I see what you say on on both situations. So let's talk a little bit about fitness, okay? Um because obviously what is your fitness regime? I know you aren't like you said before like something you don't know a great deal about uh, but i'm assuming um that you do have a, a bit of a regime with someone like yourself that you know has all this spends a lot of time obviously in, com in computer work and a lot of time traveling and stuff surely there's some sort of uh, fitness regime in there to keep you going at the same time yeah absolutely you know i like to keep things simple i think i think if anything i've learned in my life when it comes to health not an expert like you, but the way I think about it is everyone's got their own opinions on everything. Some people even disagree on fruit. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, so we're like, oh, no, you shouldn't eat oranges. Like, what do you mean I shouldn't eat oranges? So, so the way that I think about it is I just take what everyone agrees on. So I intermittent fast every day. I never eat breakfast, right? So I probably eat eight hours within the day. Yes. Um, that's one. The second thing for lunch, I always have whatever my mom cooks me, which is usually healthy. It's always rice with some sort of curry. And then after that, I, I, I do batch eating. So in the sense of right after that meal, I start stuffing a bunch of nuts, right? Like uh, pecans are good for you. Walnuts, pistachios, stay away from peanuts and stuff. But like, you know, those three are good. I'd stay away from peanuts because I'll die if I have them. I'll oh, there them. you go. Right. <laughs> so yeah. all the good things you just listed, I can't have. <laughs> Right, but like uh, Stephen Stephen Gundry's got a cool yes no list that you can just look up in a PDF. It's great, but anyways, and then after that, I to avoid food combining, I wait three hours, then I stuff a bunch of fruit in my face, and then after that, I have dinner, and that's it. That's my that's my meal plan essentially, and I just repeat, rinse, and repeat, so that when I want to splurge, I can splurge and I'll be good. And then other than that, I work out every every two days. Most of my workouts are really just me dancing alone in my basement, if I'm being honest. But other than that, it's uh, you know the usual crunches lunges squats horse stances I, I did martial arts for five years so i do a lot of that um i'm a brown belt in kenpo but it's been a long time though but <laughs> yeah. there you I go did, that's i did taekwondo when i was uh about eight i did I, was, I did really well actually i got my belt and i was on my way now, i can't remember what was after white at the time in taekwondo i'm sure someone listening can can let me know but um yeah, that was a long time ago, but I'm I'm nearly thirty, so I can't I can barely remember. But I do remember thinking, getting into it, thinking, yeah, I'm quite. I think I think the uh, the sensei, whoever was was uh, coaching me, would, would 
give me compliments or he, he'd pretend to be hurt when he probably wasn't to feed my ego a little bit. And I, I'd go home to my mum like, yeah, let me show you what I learned. I tested it out on a friend once. Um, I, I can't, cannot remember what I did, but I ended up flipping him over and he landed straight on his back. I didn't mean to, but I was like, look, look what I've learned. And I was like, if I'd have, if I'd have stuck with that, I probably could have uh, probably be fitter than I am now in fairness. Um, but yeah, no, you know, general fitness like that, it sounds to me like your fitness is very functional fitness, which is all you really need anyway. You don't need any exotic exercise schedule unless you're training. And I think people get confused with that. They, you know, they'll look up programs. They'll, they think they need to train in the gym five times a week and do these certain, you know, things. And realistically, train what you need to train for. If you're just trying to get genuinely fit, then you just need to do the stuff you mentioned before you squat your general what we call functional exercise stuff that's going to help benefit you in your day-to-day life um intermittent fasting is a funny one i don't get many people that that do it i do do it myself um i pick sort of eight to nine hours a day um, and i tend to skip breakfast i tend to use caffeine to do that because i find that if i just have Coffee and water, yeah. I, I, I kind of had a feeling just based on what you do, I'm thinking, yeah, th- th- this guy definitely needs his caffeine um, to, to, to keep him functioning. Yeah, I use tea instead of coffee. But yeah, I think what I found with intermittent fasting, it's something I did my whole life and I never really understood the health benefits behind it until recently. It just makes my life easier. Two meals instead of three, less to think about. I, I do have breakfast from time, like big breakfasts from time to time. But I treat that more like dessert, not like healthy. So let's say every month or every two weeks, I would go out for brunch and just stuff my face with French toast. But other than that, uh, <laughs> what a worry. I love French toast. So moving on to, I said this on a couple of other podcasts, I don't like ignoring the elephant in the room, which is the pandemic. Um, I don't know how bad that sort of hit over there in Canada, but obviously here it's quite bad. Uh, and I know further down south in the States to you is it's pretty bad. Um, how has it affected you though professionally? Has, you know, what, what sort of barriers has that done anything to you or have you just kind of coasted along? In some cases, I have personally found in some cases I've rode the wave and actually come out of it in a better position, but, you know, um, not everyone has been. So how has that affected you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, the first time uh, COVID hit wasn't too fun. You know, I had a bunch of speaking engagements. You know, I was going to go to Amsterdam and Jordan and all these amazing countries. I've never really traveled before. So it's going to be like my first year on the circuit. And then I woke up to a 75% loss in revenue. Everything went to zero. And I just went, uh, okay. So did I cry for a couple of days? Absolutely. I was like, my life is over. But then after I realized what most people don't, is that, by the way, 2020 is not cancelled. You can't actually go to a bank and ask for it back. That's not how life works. Can, 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 I, can you just add a year to my lifespan? Is, can you just do that? Yeah, that doesn't happen. So instead, what I did is I reinvested that time because I know I just don't get it back. And we, I brainstormed with my friends and obviously had the ideas to guest on podcasts, something I never did before because I'm always on flights all the time or writing my content on YouTube three years in advance, which is I'm about to finish that as well. Or things like just change my speaking business to a coaching one. I usually don't take clients because it's a lot of investment, you know, because I'm, I'm more of a thought leader than a coach, yeah. you know, creating content for people to learn from. But, you know, I, I pivoted a bit and, and there's a lot of interest. And now, I'm, you know, I do better revenue wise than I used to. So, so yeah, it's all about understanding how you can pivot and more importantly, having the right people around you to help you pivot. Right, because if you're just alone in your business, you're trying to figure something out, or really in your life, not even business, just you know how you're dealing with these emotions. Life is always more fun in groups than alone. Yeah, and a, a lot of world-leading, you know, entrepreneurs and and speakers all all have the same ideology around that, which is you're only as successful as the people that you spend your time with, and it's kind of like you people will bring you down you have to really analyze your so- social circle people say it in different ways but they all mean the same they're all referring to the same thing gary v well um you know everyone will say d- different things um but it all means leads to the same principle which is yeah 
analyze your circle as well and, and who's who's going to be successful with you. I mean, I have two businesses, so my online business, I am on my own. But I do have the support of my, my wife. I do have the support of some of my loyal clients. I have a couple of people who work for me on my programs, so they're, you know, they're really good. And my other business is my gym, which I'm in, in here now. And despite what the pandemic has done to that, we have a good group. I have a, a business partner and I have, again, the, the members. So I, I class myself as quite fortunate, but I can imagine there's a lot of people that are doing in business on their own. Um, and yeah, the, the, if it's a dark place to be, if you, if you let your mind go, go into it. It's interesting what you said about pivoting though, because... I think that's what happened to me. I kind of, nothing changed. There was no drastic needle mover, so to speak. But I think I just rode, rode the wave. I think obviously the whole world had to go online. And here I am already prepared with an online service. And whilst half of, you know, not even half, 80% of personal trainers had never been online or even ventured into it, they were forced to go online. Uh, and now, now it's a bit different because, Sadly for me, everyone's fed up with online. You know, they want to get back to the gym. So now it's flipped on the other side. Now it's hard to work online or because of what it is. So I've had to, I've had to pivot. And, and one thing that I've started doing as well is I, I got good at my own marketing um, and I started using that and going, well, people always need leads into their business. People always need marketing. That's not going to change. So I kind of ventured into that a little bit and took on, an extra sort of work model basically um so i guess that's the same thing i just went well yeah it's how i'm going to pivot here i either just accept that this virus is just you know going to destroy my business or i'm going to ride it and adapt and i think that's where a lot of people are failing i think they just they can't adapt either they don't want to or they don't know how and they're not prepared to to to, to learn i know I, you you would have followed some work off bob proctor i imagine and, and one thing that Bob, Pro Bob Proctor will call it his ignorance, but not in the not in the way that we we know ignorant as in being rude. But ignorance is in fact we just don't know and we choose not to know. We choose not to learn. Um, so yeah, I tend to find that that that, that word pivot is is a really good example, um, and I, I hope that you managed to pivot the way round. Obviously, you would have had a lot of dates cancelled, um, and you've immediately adapted quickly um, to the coaching. So. Talk a little bit about the coaching because I'm going to plug some links into the the details of the episode. So, where can people find you, and and what sort of if if I was someone now looking to develop my public speaking skills, um, where would I start? If I was to come and look for you now, what what would you suggest would be like the videos to watch or the actions to take? Of course, you know, for me, Calla, my my goal with Mastrux is to help the world. So I don't really have time to coach everybody. So my number one piece of advice is to go watch my free videos, right? Which is Master Talk on YouTube. I post a lot of great stuff on how to speak in a second language, how to present to an audience you've never met before, and different topics that you might be curious about. And then from that knowledge that I use on my executives, the next step for you is to join a Toastmasters club. You know, Toastmasters is very inexpensive. It's a great way for you to get started, build a fun community to learn public speaking. And then the third step, if you start to realize, you know, from that experience, this is something you really enjoy. And then you want to be a master communicator. You want to be the best person at work. You want to be the best person in your life and from a communication perspective. Then I would encourage you to get coaching, whether it's me or anyone else. Like then you get the tools to circumvent that success. It's like the difference between, you know, doing exercise on your own versus doing it with a trainer. Yeah, you could totally do it on your own. It's just when you have a trainer, it's a lot faster because you don't really exercise anymore for the sake of exercise. You do it, oh, well, Callum woke up this morning. I don't want to let him down. I have to wake up at 5 a.m., which, which works on me a lot. That's why I have a lot of coaches in my life. But yeah, th those, that would be my three-pronged approach here. So the first part, watch my free stuff, watch the free YouTube videos. I have a bunch of great information on communication and feel free to send me a message. You know, I'm always happy to answer any video ideas, join a Toastmasters club. And then the third one, if you want better service, if you want faster results, then get a coach. The other thing I was going to ask you is, obviously we mentioned before in my own circumstances about people having to go online right now. So a lot of my audience is going to be in the UK. 
And here in the UK, rules are a little bit stricter than a lot of the rest of the Western world. And we're currently now in England, well, all the, all the nations of the UK are divided for whatever reason. But in England now, we've just come out of a, a second lockdown. And inevitably, we'll go into a third one. And this is going to be something until this vaccine is, is, is ready and rolled out. So a lot of people are still kind of having dates booked for whether it's seminars, public speaking, or even I had a musician Lucy Spragan on an episode um, last week and she, she's got tour dates booked and she doesn't even know if they're going to happen or not. And that's a big, big area of her revenue. So a lot of people are having to go online. So do you think there's similarities between talking to people um in person where you can see them and, and and having to i know a lot of people might think well surely it's easy to talk online where you can't see these people unless it's like a big zoom conference call surely it's easier not to speak to hundreds or even thousands of people in a room um than it is online the reason i asked that brendan is because i can uh, last summer I, I i know it wasn't public speaking though i have done that but i delivered a big warm-up in the summer of last year for like two three hundred people who were doing a race okay a big charity race and cool. it was the busiest day in, in in my town um and you know everyone's out and about and of course i was nervous but again i did it and like i said to you before i just took control my business partner was uh, by my side so i had someone there and i did it and i did that with no problems whatsoever however i struggle going live on facebook to talk to an audience that i can't see do you find that happens quite often that even though you're not talking to people in person, people get a little bit scared of online because it's, it's a big, scary world and it's not the same when you can actually see people. I, I absolutely agree. You know, everyone's different, Callum, but I would say the vast majority of people struggle a lot more in the online world than the in-person one. And I'll explain why. It's very simple. Gauging the audience's reaction. If you're in person, you know, in the UK, given a cool warm up, What's great about that is you can feed off the energy of everyone, right? So let's say at the end of the workout, you're not really sure if you did a good job. All it takes is for one of those 200 people to come up to you and say, hey, Callum, I love the exercises you did. I'm going to start doing this in my life. You're the best, man. Take care. I'm like, wow, okay, maybe I do know something about, <laughs> right? So same thing with presentations. If I say a joke, you're going to do two things if I was in person. One. You're either going to laugh at the joke and go, oh, man, Brett is such a funny guy, or more likely, number two, you're going to look at me and go, this guy's not funny. Why is he saying jokes? But either way, I can adapt my routine. I can adapt the way I present. You can't do that online. And the reason you can't do that online is because you can't gauge your audience's reaction. Even this one-on-one -on -one discussion that we have right now. I have no clue how you're reacting to me because I'm not looking at you, Callum. I'm looking at the lens, yeah. right? That's the thing, man. So when you're on a Zoom call with 70 people, 20 people, 30 people, and most of their cameras are off, the same joke that I said before in person, you need to say with the same amount of energy and enthusiasm and assume it's funny. And that's the challenge. So how do we overcome this? A couple of easy things. First one, you always want to keep your eyes on the camera like I'm doing in this conversation right now. So an easy way to do this is just put a picture right, of somebody that you love or like a favorite food next to the lens. So you're always looking at the lens. That's tip one. Tip two is always assume the perfect audience. Always assume good intention from your audience. What happens when you start to speak more often and you start to engage with the people who are watching you, you start to realize that your ideas really matter and you'll start to automatically assume that your audiences are really cool. So when I started podcast guesting, episode one or episode two, it, it's really weird because a, a stranger who has essentially stalked you for a week is asking you questions about your life. And you're just there like, okay, this is bizarre. But then over time, when you have conversation, informal ones after the show or before the show, you start to realize that everyone you're, you're doing shows with is really nice. So even if I don't know you, it transitions very quickly from who's this Callum guy? What's he training people on? To, wow, look at the way that he's adding value to his community of clients. He doesn't need to do that. So it's great that he's adding this as a benefit to help people in his community who can't afford his coaching. And I think that's really great, right? So 
the assumption I have in these types of conversations now, I speak to you as if I've known you for five years, right? That's the approach I usually take. And that's something you don't get overnight, right? You learn over time. And then the third thing I would say is have dinner with your audience. What do I mean by this? Very few people, whether you're a business owner, an employee, someone who has a great idea, has one-on-one conversation with the people who are actually listening to their ideas. You know, and I started Master Talk. I thought it was a stupid idea. I had like 17 subscribers. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew who those 17 people were. And it was by engaging them that 17 grew to 170 and, you know, the rest was history. Same thing with our businesses, same thing with our messages, and the same thing applies to online presentations. Even if you don't see anybody, as long as you know one person in that audience and you've talked to them, that should give you the energy to show up powerfully. Yeah, I tend to find that with like social media numbers. So many people become obsessed with like getting loads of numbers. And it's like, it's better to know 40 of your followers and know them well than you know, have 5,000 followers that may never, and I was guilty of this myself, you know, I cared so much about that number going up because in my mind, I'm like, I need to have a big following. For someone to trust investing in me, particularly if it's like one of my higher end programs, I need them to see that, you know, that it's social currency. Uh, look how many followers I've got. Look, at, You know, really, it's just it's self-gratification. It's for me, it's just to show some form of success. And eventually, when it got sort of maybe this last year, maybe the pandemic helped, I completely changed that mindset. And now I tend to find that my followers go up more than they did at first because I'm not I'm not constantly worrying about a number anymore now I'm engaging to the people that are actually there to begin with and I tend to find that as a result they tend to share the content they tend to then talk about me and then the followers tend to come organically and I think that is what you said before about about business it doesn't really matter um of speaking to as many people as possible it's, it's knowing your audience and know who you're speaking to and delivering high quality content for free, free, you know, very valuable content to that audience that they'll go and talk, they'll do, they'll talk about you instead. And then your, your organic following will grow. So it sounds to me like that's exactly what happened to you when you had those 12 followers where a lot of people would probably give up at that point, but oh, I've only got 12. I've, I've not long started this podcast um, and I've only, uh, the first weekend I had sort of 10 downloads, which quickly doubled up to sort of 30 within a couple of days. And it's going a bit more plus subscribers. And it's like, I haven't necessarily pushed much marketing into it. I haven't necessarily tried, you know, I could pump, pump a lot into it and market it, but I've not had to because my primary concern on this podcast is just talking about stuff and just giving value. You said before value for everyone. So yeah, there's people that might not necessarily, particularly in this climate, be able to afford to work with me. But that doesn't mean I'm not still going to try and what you said before, help the world. You know, I still, I still, I feel like if I just sat back and did nothing, I'd be lying to myself and my cause. So for me, it's like, okay, well, what's another way that I can deliver quality content and talk about the same stuff that I would do to my paying clients in a platform that everyone can get in the car, listen to the podcast or, you know, go for a run, or even go to bed. A lot of people listen to podcasts. If people are going to bed and listening to this show, but not necessarily buying anything from me, that makes me happy, because that means I'm, I'm, I'm reaching to someone, um, as opposed to, oh, I've got to get, I've got to get 100, you know, 1000 downloads by the end. Of, what's, the, what's the point? As long as the people who are actually subscribing and listening are getting the value, it will grow organically. I'm with you. That's that's the right mentality to have, man. You know, I always say to people, if you want a thousand followers, have a thousand conversations. And if you're not willing to have those thousand conversations, don't bother. Yeah, I think Gary, Gary V was saying a lot. I watched a video on him saying this, which is like, if you want followers, and he, I think he almost mocked the the stereotypical way that you know, people will buy followers or people will just follow for follow. And what he was saying is, no, go, like, go and actually engage with, a, and, and he made a task, he's like, do the 100 people a month, engage with 100 people a month, like, leave a meaningful comment, and your followers will grow slowly, but they'll grow naturally. And then it's better to have a gain of 100 followers 
in in a quarter three months that are actually people who want to follow you rather than trying to do take shortcuts and get 500 followers that are probably going to unfollow you anyway because they're not genuinely people who are interested in what you have to what you have to offer absolutely you know the way that i see it's something easy people can do on instagram if somebody sends you a, a dm are you replying through text or are you sending a voice note Every single DM I get to this day, even with 5K, I still send a voice note. Gary, with millions of followers, still meets people one-on-one. Still signs books. Why? He has a net worth of $300 million. Why is he doing that? Because you're always a slave to your audience. Because for without your audience, you are nothing. In this game, anyways. So you need to always be asking them you need to always be engaged with them so that you can make the best content in the industry for them yeah i I always run a survey like every quarter um or when it comes to like times like this where i'm not particularly running any programs because christmas is on the way and i I want to spend time with my family and concentrate on christmas and and i tend to use this time of year to do my research it's like okay what do my audience want what 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 do they want to know what are they struggling with and then I'll run a survey for free. You know, I don't, I don't hard sell on that. I don't try and send them links straight away and go, right, well, here's, here's the program for you. I don't do that. For me, it's like, what, what, because for me, it's about what content do I need to create to the people that are watching? Um, so it's, it is, it is like what Gary says and what, what you, you're saying. And I, I like that idea of you are a slave to your audience. And it's like, if you, if your audience if there's no connection there whatsoever, you'll lose the audience because because the audience you've acquired wasn't a real audience to begin with. You've literally just tried to get grow and grow without actually giving value, you know. And I, I think you can't build no like and trust if people can't trust someone who who completely. If I've got an audience of you know people who are you know bodybuilders, and I'm giving out information. On, on female fat loss around the menopause, what what value am I giving to my audience, you know? <laughs> so I think that's a similar thing. I think for me, yeah, I, I'd rather just focus focus on that. Now, communication skills, you know, what advice would you give to someone who is a bit like myself, scared to go live on Facebook? I even did a live video, Brendan, where I had to turn the camera around to, to and I think I had like a whiteboard behind me and I was I was creating some content but I had to turn my camera around. now I can have this conversation with you now and it's not a problem I'm quite confident in myself and I can do a zoom with like 50 people and I still I'm not bothered I've already told you before about in person is there's no stage fright for me but for some reason going live on Facebook well I don't know I'm not in control of that situation I don't know who's going to comment don't know if there's going to be any troll slip through am i going to slip up am i going to am i going to make myself look daft it's, it's something that i i have been struggling with and i'm getting a bit better at it now i'm pushing my boundaries a little bit but there was one time a couple of months ago where i just i was a, i was a slave to this fear and i just turned the camera around so i was still doing the live but i couldn't see who was liking commenting i was just literally looking at it um the the delivery went better because of that reason but then of course then there's the other thing like what people come in what people liking should i carry on have have, has have a lost connection you know so what advice would you give to people because i know i won't be alone there and there'll be a lot of people that tend to get so nervous to hit that live button and half of the people they know that people are going to get notified because it pops up on everyone's timeline you know callum sully fitness has gone live you know, what advice would you give in terms of communication and combating that? Yeah, absolutely. It's actually very simple, man. But the way that I think about it is how do you still engage them and keep the conversation going when there's no conversation, right? So in a live, what happens is you press record and you have to just keep going, right? Because now it's live. Like you're, you can't really edit anything out. It's, it's just how it's going. So one thing Pat Flynn does very well is you have a separate screen with all of the comments that are coming through and you just engage them. So if you don't know what to say next, you can easily say, hey guys, it's Callum. Oh, look, look who just joined us. Oh, Jennifer's here. Jennifer's saying hi. Hey, Jennifer. And then you just keep going like that. And then that buys you time. Another thing you could do, there's a great cheat code you can use, live stream. Have a nice sticky note 
with bullets because there are different types of live streams. There's the Q&A live stream where you're answering questions. Here, this is what Jennifer's saying right now. Oh, that's a great question. Let me just answer that. Or it's a content uh, live stream where you're presenting content to an audience or you're doing both. You're presenting content, you're taking questions. Regardless of the format, you can always have a little sticky in a way that you can't in a, in a presentation that you're giving for people in a way that you're in a live stage, let's say. So that, that would be my advice. But the third thing is the more you engage people and you see them responding to what you're saying, oh yeah, hey, thanks, Cal. I'm really, you can, it gives you that men mental energy to go, like, oh, they're actually listening to me. Oh, there's an audience here. Let me keep going. So that would be my advice for, for live. Yeah, I like that. That's great. So, Brendan, just to sort of close off, um, what lessons have you learned along the way during your, your career? Um, you know, what, what were the ups and downs and, and what advice would you give uh, based around that? Yeah, for sure. So I can leave you off with a book recommendation and some life advice. So book recommendation, number one public speaking book I always like to give out as a recommend is Thirst by Scott Harrison. I think Scott's a savant in what he's doing with communication. I think people should really be following him and checking out his book. Yeah. And for life advice, my, the only advice that really matters at the end of the day is the following, especially if you're still listening to us for some reason. <laughs> to, be, to be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But let's summarize where that gets you. Overweight broken relationship, nine to five job you don't really like. You get my point. The only way to do great things in life is to be insane. Don't you find it odd that a 22 year old started a YouTube channel, not on vlogging, not on pranks, but on executive communication coaching. And then the year after he started coaching C-level executives or CEOs of companies who are double his age, 23, but also still lives in his parents' basement doesn't own a car, dances alone in that basement an hour a day, karaoke's in eight different languages, and doesn't plan on moving out for a long time. And by the way, loves Justin Bieber. How do any of these decisions make any sense at all, Calum? You're a grown man, Brendan. You should be getting a girlfriend and moving out. And that's my point. When all of the decisions that you make in your life make sense to the only person that matters, which is you, you'll always be successful. So be insane or be the same. I love that. Be insane or be the same. Uh, we, I follow something very similar, a similar mantra. I suppose it's just the same in different words, but it's get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And it's the same situation in a sense of the comfort zone is a bad place to be in. And that, that's not just in fitness. That's also in life. That's in your marriages. That's in everything comfortability you can never be staying the same you know you're always going one way or the other every action has a reaction and, and all that so when people think oh, I'm, I'm fine now i want to get to here and this is where i'm comfortable well no you're never just staying as you are it either means you're going forward or you're going back and most of the time if you're comfortable you're actually going backwards in the sense that you're settling for where you are now and you're not accepting you're not there's no growth you know there's no no increase and I think people's fear of that's number one. I think number two is people's fear of people's opinions. You know, I want to be insane, but I'm, I'm worried about that deviating from the social norm and, and that's going to stop me. And I think that, that, that does break down barriers a little bit. And, and I think using that term, be insane or, or be the same. People, people want to be the same. They spend the whole time like, just you know a follower style um and no like be unique do something for yourself i think that's why i see a lot of people personally fail same in my industry um you know the success rate in, in the uk for personal trainers in the first year of qualifying is something daft like 17 percent. 17 percent of personal trainers make it past their first year and the reason for that is because of what you just said. They only do it because they want to teach what people think they want to teach. They're not prepared to break that comfort zone and go and create something different, go and create something unique. I know some successful personal trainers that have combined gaming 
with fitness, right? And I can't remember what the, what the company's called now, but it is something like Gain Fitness or something. And I have to remember, but yeah, basically what they did is they created something different, their, their passion for gaming, which I, I, I love gaming myself. Uh, the, I don't know, I, if there's no PS5 under my Christmas tree, I'm going to have to go out and buy one anyway, so that's happening. Um, but then, you know, combined with fitness, and I, I'm not really sure how they, they deliver that service, but I'm pretty sure it's it's the whole brand, the whole company is based around fitness programs for gamers. Um, so I think, again, that's someone being unique, that's someone doing something what people consider insane, but actually they just don't want to be the same. They don't want to deliver the same generic weight loss program or, or you know, I, I tend to find that my own programs are similar. I, I, I took something, an idea, part of the reason my business has been successful over the last couple of years is because three years ago, I decided to create something different. I basically thought, let's throw everybody into a Facebook group and I will deliver a series of content and I will deliver a series of videos and let's just see what happens. And it ended up being my best-selling program. It's worked with hundreds of people. Um, but if I had just followed the generic formula of, oh, I'm, I'm a bit scared to do that because, you know, no one else is doing it. It probably won't work. What will people think? A lot of people are worried about what their competition thinks, which is another thing. People, oh, what would this other personal trainer think if I do this? So what? They're not doing it. What, what, what does it matter? So, yeah, I, I, that's what I take from that. Brendan, anyway, it's probably completely different to what, what you what you delivered, but that's exactly what I took from it. And no, it's been great. Um, what sort of, yeah, what what last sort of things would you get, do? Obviously, I'm going to plug in. Where can people um, find you? Uh, is it on Instagram, on Facebook? Do you have a website? Yeah, YouTube's the best way, Cam. So you can just go on YouTube, type Master Talk in one word, and you'll find me right there. Perfect. And there's loads of videos for people to delve into if they want to hear more. Absolutely. There's like 90 videos or something up there. So you're going, you're going there's a lot, lot of things to do during the holidays, I guess. <laughs> That's I, something you want to do. I know I've kind of just got into YouTube at the minute because um, everyone's guilty of this, where it's the thing that if I go to bed at night and I haven't necessarily got to go up in the morning, I, I'm, I'm on. And then obviously the algorithms tick that I've got another another video that's like recommended for you and two hours have gone by and i'm like i'm like oh, yeah uh, watch, watching youtube so that's my night planned in tonight i'll, I'll definitely go and uh, check out some, some of your videos and i suggest that uh, my listeners do the same go and check it out it's, it's free value um i've already um i've only been talking to you for an hour and i've already took a tremendous amount of value from it so uh, yeah thanks brendan for coming on and and uh, sharing all that with us and uh, yeah, you'll probably hear from me soon, to be fair. So I can work on, tweak on that, uh, that communication. Okay? Sounds good, John. Thanks, thanks for this conversation. It was a great time. No problem. All right. Thank you very much, Brendan. And uh, yeah, all the best. Take care. You too, man. Yeah, don't be sure to shoot me an email if you need anything, all right? Absolutely. Yeah, take it easy, brother.